and welcome again to another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines as we continue our series, and for today, we kind of had to put a spin on things. We've been doing this series, Brent, called uh, Triathletes in Basements on Trainers uh, on the Zoom line with us from his home in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia. We've got one of the fastest Ironman athletes of all time. He had an incredible debut in the sport at Ironman Arizona in spite of shingles. He was a two-time member of our Olympic team. We welcome uh, Brent McMahon to FitSpeak. How's it going? Thanks for having me, Kevin. Thank you so much for taking our time. So in our introduction there, I was saying in basements, uh, well, we're all muddling through this COVID-19 crisis together, but uh, I understand you actually had a chance to go out in the uh, beautiful uh, Vancouver Island sunshine for a a bit of a ride today. Yes, I did. Uh, I've actually uh, been, I've been trying to get outside regularly for for you know my workouts we're fortunate uh, in canada and and in bc to not be under house arrest with the current uh, covid situation so um it's it's taking the opportunity to be outside but uh, i've also been spending quite a lot of time on uh, on the trainer on zwift because i know i have a lot of friends out there that are stuck in in their house or in their basements or in their garages and so i kind of feel like uh I also have to share in that misery a bit too. So, so I've been I've been hitting the rollers and the trainer and Zwift a lot as well. And you said that you had spent some quality time on the rollers over the weekend. What, something like three hours or something? Yeah, I had a uh, I had a, a long ride to do on Sunday, and uh, I had two by forty five minutes at tempo effort, and I figured uh, it might be a good time to just see how long I could could last on the rollers and, and ride indoors so i figured ah this is this will be a fun challenge and <laughs> you know keep things interesting and i've actually had a couple of those things that i kind of put into training uh, just over the last little while to to make things interesting and just give yourself a little challenge so so i decided okay i'll, I'll see how long i can last on the rollers in the tt bars and um i, ha- I had my other trainer ready if i mm. uh, got to the limit but uh-huh. uh, i actually made it uh, through three hours and 20 minutes on on the rollers in my TT position. And um, yeah, I was quite happy with it. it was, I only fell off once. So, oh. <laughs> um, so got got right back on and uh, carried on. But uh, yeah, no, it was good fun. Three hours, 20 minutes on the rollers. That's uh, like even road position. That's a bit of a feat to be able to have that balance and, and, and that focus, especially when you're pushing the harder efforts on the rollers. It's as much of a, a mental challenge as it is a physical one, even more so at times because you can never, ever check out, right? You're always, you know, attuned to your body. You're, you're sensing your balance. You do get a rhythm, but the moment you start to wander, those ro- rollers will remind you, hey, you're uh, you're not mm-hmm. locked into a computrainer here. Yeah. And I, I think that's actually why I was able to ride the three hours and 20 minutes indoors was because because I was just so focused on, you know, staying balanced and staying relaxed. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really, it did make the time go by pretty quick. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, right now the date of this is uh, Wednesday. It's May the 6th. Things are uh, slowly opening up here in the province of British Columbia. Our uh, Premier John Horgan uh, made some announcements today, but still uh, nothing too definite as far as getting, you know, the question on a lot of people's minds is, is the Iron Man going to be held at the end of August in Penticton? We might touch on that um, a little bit later in the podcast, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess it was almost uh, a year ago this week that you won your com- uh, your comeback race in Monterey after healing from that serious hip injury. Yeah, so no, it's uh, it's amazing kind of what is what's happened in a year. Um, you know, and there's there's always as an athlete there's ups and downs, but um, you know, coming overcoming injuries is, is nothing new to me, and and most athletes have worked through that. So. Um, you know, rebounding and getting back and, you know, getting down to Monterey last year and winning that race. Uh, my first race of the season was yeah. a great way to start the season. And, you know, and so this year you're kind of, all right, let's, let's get the season rolling. Let's mm-hmm. build up. Let's have another good start. And, you know, and then everything kind of winds down and you kind of go, okay, well, let's regroup. And it's, it's been really interesting. It's been, uh, you know, I've been racing for over 20 years now. And again, like I said, I've had lots of ups and downs and lots of challenges. And, you know, like everybody in the world right now, this is a whole new experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, there's a, you know, a few people that, you know, went through World War II and, yeah, you know, that have kind of an idea of, you know, a world event like this. But, you know, most of us, this is, this is our first and, yeah. and learning how to deal with it and cope and, it's it's a new challenge come together and um so what were your plans for this year because were you gonna defend your title at monterey this week um other plans for that 2020 season that we're still kind of wondering what's going to happen with yeah i know i was definitely i was gonna head back down to monterey um i was probably gonna do another 70.3 prior to that um, just because, you know, last year I, I didn't actually get a ton of racing in and I had a good off season this year. And so I was looking forward to, you know, getting a few more 70.3s in at the start of the year and then, and then doing an Ironman. And so, you know, kind of, we kind of had a rough outline of the season. Um, but very quickly we started hearing stuff about delays and, you know, races being pushed back. And so we didn't kind of get too carried away with mm-hmm. with planning and and going okay this is our this is our iron man these are the blocks the six blocks we need to do to get we kind of started and then we're like Whoa, wait a minute mm-hmm. let's let let's just do our winter training let's get strong and and let's see what happens and and then of course yeah stuff just unraveled and so we kind of you know my coach lance and i just kind of unwound everything and just said okay we need to dial back we need to kind of look at fundamentals and you know change the program and and then just wait and see so tell us about some of the the special or perhaps different workouts that you and your coach Lance Watson are uh, working on right now because with all this disruption also gives an opportunity to maybe try some stuff that you haven't tried before um, perhaps experiment mm-hmm. are you doing any of that yeah like when you when you're kind of all of a sudden given some extra time yeah. 
um, that you weren't really going to have uh, in a normal season, you know, and, and you're healthy. Um, it gives you the opportunity to um, do a couple of things. Well, one is focused on your weaknesses um, and spend some more time on them um, as opposed to just touching on them and then getting ready for a race. So, so we've gone back. For me, a lot of that is, is spending time in the gym mm. um, and doing a lot of weights and core and stability work um, because that makes such a big difference to my technique and and it helps work on the instabilities. And you know, from my hip injury the previous season, we, we know my my hip is it's it's a weak and giving spot. Mm. Um, so basically, we just started programming in a lot more strength work into the program. Um, normally we kind of do a, a shorter focus block on weights and usually it's, you know, four to eight weeks long, but because we have more time right, and because yeah. we can kind of change what we do in a program, um, we've basically just incorporated weight training regularly mm-hmm. every week. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just ongoing at this point. It's yeah. not a four week cycle or it's yeah. just every week I got weight training and, um, and then, you know, to make things interesting, I've just tried to put some fun ideas out there. And so I was riding my gravel bike quite a bit and, you know, cause we, again, it, we're not focused on race fitness right now. Mm-hmm. We're just focusing on strength and mileage. And so, so I was just taking this time to ride some, you know, different trails and, you know, Normally, this time of year, I'd be completely on my time trial bike and right. not on any other bikes. Mm-hmm. So it's given me the chance to do some fun riding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually decided I, I wanted to do, I've never done a, like an ultra long ride, so over six hours. Uh-huh. Um, so I said to Lance, you know, I, I really want to do this um, this long ride that's you know probably gonna be around eight hours. Mm-hmm. And because um, I'd ridden the Great Trail, um, which is the great Canadian um, trail that goes all the way across Canada. And we have a, a big section from Victoria yeah. that goes up the Cowichan Lake and then back into Duncan. Mm-hmm. And so I'd written that, but I really wanted to ride that whole thing mm-hmm. and then ride back to Victoria. Yes. Um, and so it ended up being just over 200K and most of it on gravel. What was hurting and, after uh, 200K on your gravel bike? Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I ride a, a titanium light speed uh, oh, gravel bike. So nice. It's, so it's really actually quite forgiving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got some bigger tires on there. Yeah. So I actually was, you know, spending almost eight hours on the bike and on some of bumpy, gravelly roads. It was actually super comfortable. And, um, you know, I did, uh, I was talking to Lance after the ride, uh, you know, in the evening, kind of four or five hours after. And, I was like, it still kind of feels like I'm on a saddle still, right still now. Still on the bike, I yes. Like laying, I, I was laying on the couch. Like, yeah, no, eight hours on the saddle, definitely it, it hangs around a while. Yeah, so, a lot of. Um, yeah, so it was kind of, you know, just, just some some fun stuff yeah. like that. Fun, mm-hmm. fun, fun, I say in quotes, um, yeah. as an athlete, you know, it's, it's just fun challenges you know, in a normal season, I, I wouldn't go ride my gravel bike for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we decided, okay, let's let's take that challenge and let's have fun with it. Yeah. Now, one of the things that a lot of uh, – I'm also a, a club coach here in, in Abbotsford for the uh, – 
Abbotsford Triathlon Club, also reading a lot of stuff on, of course, the uh, the Slow Twitch website and a lot of the other triathlon forums. And one of the common themes is uh, triath- uh, rather triathletes stressed out by not going into the swimming pool on a regular basis. So for a person who earns his bread and butter from uh, from racing triathlon, uh, how are you coping with that? Yeah, no, that was that was kind of interesting as as the whole COVID thing developed it, you know, things were slowly being taken away. Right. And, um, you know, and I'm actually quite close with the, the, the head of the pool organization in Victoria at mm-hmm. Commonwealth pool and Carmichael. And so I was actually talking to her and she's a manager and, you know, I was like, you know, what do you think is going to happen with the pool? Like, are they going to be able to kind of keep it open? And, you know, cause for quite a few weeks there was, there was a slow wind down, right? Of, yes. You know, interaction and, you know, grocery stores and shops and stuff like that. And so, you know, we as professional athletes, we're trying to look ahead and, and sort of say, oh, are we going to be able to keep swimming? You know, like it's cool. And, you know, she initially thought, you know, you know, it's, we, this is a highly sanitized place. The yeah. water is very sanitary. Um, so I don't foresee it, you know, being shut down right away. But as we saw, you know, after a few weeks, pretty much everything closed. Anything that puts people close to each other was closed. And, and so, you know, as an athlete, you just – you can only control what you can. And I, I don't own and operate a pool. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have no control over that. So I can't, I can't worry too much about mm. it. And then, you know, and the other thing too is it's, it's one thing if, you know, you're, you're – your pool in your community is under construction and everybody else has a pool that they're training in. Yeah. The, that the wasn't, unfair the, that wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, nobody is swimming right now. Yeah. And, and like nobody in the entire world was swimming. Yeah. And, you know, and so it was kind of, that's kind of where I found comfort was yeah. like, Hey, we're, we're, we're all in this together. Yeah. Nobody's swimming. Everybody's doing stretch cords and bands and yeah. getting baby pools and <laughs> splashing in the tub. And, you know, it was kind of fun to see what yeah. people are trying to be creative doing. And, um, you know, so at, at a certain point you just kind of have to, you have to let things go mm-hmm. and just say it, it is what it is yeah. and you can't control it. So, you know, and, and then the other thing too is, is no, you can't always make up for the lack of something, you know, so, sometimes you, you just have to let go and say, I'm, I'm going to be out of shape swimming. Yeah. And no matter how many stretch cords I do <laughs> or how many VASA trainer, yeah, yeah. you know, pull downs or how many push ups, it's not swimming. So, you know, you just, you kind of have to, just accept that you're going to lose some fitness, but you're still biking and running. You're still so biking and you're running. You're not getting. You're not. You're not getting out of shape. You're yeah. just, you know, lo- losing swim sort of technique and fitness. So for for a while, and you're becoming a hell of a do athlete in the process. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, it just it's giving you more time yeah. to focus on something else, and yeah. that's exactly what Lance and I did. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, we're not swimming, so let's up the run mileage yeah. and let's up the bike mileage and, and, you know, obviously be careful not to get injured because you're doing too much, but it, it opened up time and it was like, okay, now I got, instead of swimming, you know, eight, 10 hours a week, well, I can spend four of those doing weights mm-hmm. and I can put a couple other hours into biking or running. 
Yeah, and I guess one of the things that you have uh, with the years, decades of you know experience as a professional triathlete is that experience, and along with that experience, you know, you were talking about peaks and valleys. Comes the confidence, knowing that it is going to come back, and you are going to come out of this, you know, the same or what a changed athlete in ways. But I mean, you're still going to be Brent McMahon, and you still have a hell of a swim, and you still have a tough, tough second half of the run for uh, for an Ironman marathon, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, you just, again, you, you just got to accept the situation and, and then make the best of it. Yeah. So uh, one of your secret weapons in your longevity in this sport has got to be your relationship with uh, Lance Watson. I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, you and him have been together longer than probably most uh, married couples in Canada. So tell us a little bit about uh, the secret to your success. I mean, that that's a long, long-term relationship for a coach and an athlete. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been really interesting, and you know, in the whole world of sport, there's probably not a, a lot, or you know, any coaching athlete relationships that have you know gone beyond you know 20 years. And yeah. you know, I first I first met Lance when I was uh, 14 years old, and I went over to Vancouver from Victoria and and did a kids camp, and he was one of the the lead coaches at camp, and and he was like you know, 12 years old at the time. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was young, and he was young. So yeah. we, we both grown, we both grown old together. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and and kind of learned learned a, a lot from him just at that camp, and then we kind of stayed in touch. And I was on the sort of junior team that mm-hmm. went to Worlds, and so just kind of stayed in touch. And then eventually. You know, he was always happy to give me some advice and help uh, with training and as a young kid. And yeah, and then, you know, we started working together and he had a group in, I, I then moved to Vancouver, North Vancouver for high school. And um, so I started training with him and his kind of adult group. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just had a really kind of fun, positive environment. And I'm still friends actually with some of those um uh, age group athletes that mm-hmm. I trained with back then, and wow. um, and so it's you know so I've I've had a coach for twenty years, but I've also had training partners uh, for twenty years uh, as well. So yeah, so you know it's it's it it's really like a marriage or or an important relationship, yeah, very close it takes relationship. Work. Yeah, um, it takes work, and and there's ups and downs, and you know sometimes you you know get frustrated with each other. Mm. It's a two way street, and um, you have, you know, good years and you have some, you know, rough patches and, um, but ultimately if you're committed to the partnership then you're committed to learning together and progressing through challenges. And I think he and I have also always been willing to accept responsibility for making mistakes, uh, whether it's me as the athlete, mm. um, or him as the coach. Um, and, and not just blaming one or the other. Um, quite often, athletes just blame the coach. And um, I've always been a, an ownership type athlete where uh, it's a partnership, but I'm I'm the one doing the work. And if if I don't feel it's the right work, then I got to communicate that. Right, if yeah. I don't, mm-hmm. then you're going to get injured, or you're going to get overcooked, or you're going to get worn down or you're not going to enjoy it and so through communication yeah we've always kept it fun kept mm-hmm. it 
enjoyable and kept it improving. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, and I, I've, you know, it's been interesting because I, I've done all sports of triathlon. So I've done Xterra off-road triathlon. Yes. I've done the super, yeah. super sprint series. Mm-hmm. I've done the, you know, super league Brazil fast triathlon. And I did, you know, the Olympics sprint distance, they did half Ironman. So I've done it all. And, and so that's really forced Lance to, you mm-hmm. know, grow as well as a coach. And how, how do I, how do I get Brent to be the best at, mountain biking and off-road running and you know how do i get him to be anaerobically you know super strong and fast for these really short races and so so it's it's a learning curve for athlete and coach and we're both willing to do it and that's i think ultimately what has made us successful and, and continue to work together is we're both willing to participate and learn and continue to grow together so if you could distill some of uh, the best lessons that you've learned and worked with and kind of internalized from your years with Lance, uh, uh, do, any, uh, do any stories come to mind where, you know, you'll reflect on this when you're, you know, in your 70s, in your rocking chair overlooking the Pacific <laughs> Ocean? <laughs> Um. Yeah. There's. There's. There. Oh. There's. There's tons. After twenty I years, bet. There's, that's there's that's lots, a serious right? relationship. Um, but uh, one one thing we we've always regularly done, and this is this is where Lance, you know, is is really good because as the, as an athlete, you're you're always pushing and you're always working for the next thing. But uh, Lance has always been very good about having having me reflect and enjoy the successes um and not and not just check them off and be like great that's good now what's the next one Mm. um you know really taking time to kind of enjoy what what you've achieved and um you know i remember after winning the brazil um, south america championship um, which I, I went under eight hours and I just missed the world record. Yes, that um, was incredible by 12, fast. By, by 12 seconds. So, so that was kind of one of my, you know, it's that was one of those days and as an athlete, you get very few of them in your career where everything just mm. flows and you're able to push and keep going mentally, physically, everything all is all dialed in. And, and I won that race and it just went so well. And, mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, probably the biggest win of my career. Yeah. And, um, and, and we, you know, <laughs> so we went out and had this, you know, crazy kind of just experience after the event where, you know, I, I went back to my hotel room and mm-hmm. the hotel people had, they had already like set up, like they put some champagne Neat. and a couple of glasses uh-huh. and a congratulatory note on, hmm. on, room and uh you know and then you know we kind of were like oh that's just so awesome and and then we went out for dinner and uh, we were just having dinner and the restaurant owners like there was nobody in the restaurant mm-hmm. um and uh and the restaurant owner eventually like kind of came out and was like hey did, did you win win the race <laughs> and i was like yeah yeah You're the guy yeah like, yeah it was, a, it, was it was a really yeah it was a really good day and it was just such a great place to win and um, he's like, oh, that's so awesome! And then he came out. They, he and he and uh, he was the the owner, mm-hmm. and his, I guess his wife. They kind of took off of the door and were like, oh, okay, see ya. And, mm-hmm. um, and then they kind of 
shortly came back and went into the back of the kitchen and and then they literally came out with this dessert uh-huh. with like it was like a firework stuffed in it like <laughs> it wasn't a candle it was literally this firework Whoa. that was like like <laughs> screaming and shooting off these things mm. and um you know and it was just again just kind of a, a crazy event that just kind of makes you pause and go oh yeah like it, it is pretty cool i am very fortunate to to do this career that you know you have these successes that you know bringing a lot of people and you know and and kind of makes you reflect and and lance you know it's kind of like yeah this it is pretty exceptional what what you achieved today and it's Mm kind of like yeah like i've been working towards it for months and and when it happens it's just when it happens it it's it it happens and it's and it's pretty awesome that that something like that can click so well and you know because you Again, as an athlete, you just focus on the process of getting there, the training, the hours, the dedication, and, and it's kind of like when it's done, you're like, okay, sweet, that all that work was worth it, and oh, it, you know, it was great. And okay, so how do we do that again? <laughs> yeah, how do you, you know, get that like, feeling back? Yeah, and but but Lance always says, you never know when when that it might be the end right so you have like to. I, I i may get injured i may never mm-hmm. race and win a, an event like that again so you, you have to pause and you have to take a moment and go yeah okay like this i i gotta really spend some time thinking about what went into this and and how you know successful it went and and really appreciate it and, yeah. and go okay because this may never happen again mm, yeah cherish cherish um, that moment i mean uh one yeah. of the one of the things that uh in retrospect that peter reed was saying that kind of uh diminished his career somewhat and led to one of those uh short-term retirements of his was shortly after winning kona one of those years he was reflecting on the race and you know he didn't take that time to pause and soak it in it's like well i well i won but i only won by x amount so you know his turnaround time psychologically he was back training in a serious way not that long after his his big win at kona and you know when you get back on the horse that quickly after after you know the big training block for a Kona win you know uh you know that's mm-hmm. that's got to be a hell of a grind and I mean you are professional triathletes and you do have a job but part of your job is to you know take care of yourself in in every way possible so that the athlete you know starting up the training for another you know shot at whether it's the olympics or iron man or 70.3 is you know fully refreshed and hungry and and happy to get back mm-hmm. to it not just okay i'm gonna put in my eight hours of training today because i got a job to do because i'm a pro hey yeah well and, and when you have a success like that whether it's like peter reed winning the world championship there's there's a lot of endorphins and excitement as a result of that and so it and 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 some a lot of positivity and so it it is so easy to go all right let's get back to work Mm -hmm. let's like let's do this Mm. like i just won the world champions or i just won the Brazil ironman regional championship Mm -hmm. like yeah let's let's okay let's go to work let's make this happen again and and you have that energy there because of the excitement from it but Mm. deep down inside your body it just had its peak performance at an eight-hour event like you just destroyed your body Mm -hmm. even though mentally you, you can't necessarily 
feel it or, or grapple with it. But like you said, down the road, a month or two months later, then that's that's when it starts to creep up. And and you know, and it's interesting. And I think when you have those exceptional performances um, as an athlete, and you know, a lot of people, it's called you know, flow state, mm-hmm. um, where your mind and your body, and you're able to push your body as much as you want. I think that's most likely when you're going to come out of that race and get injured because because you're in that flow state you were actually able to get the absolute most out of your body because you were just so perfectly tapered peaked mentally so every mm-hmm. fiber in your body was used for that performance yeah. and that's why you had such a great performance was because every cell of your body was working perfectly. But then as a result, you just used every cell of your body to push yourself. So it's going to need a significant amount (laughs) of time to recover from that. And and that's what I found after Brazil. Like it was, again, I was so excited, but very quickly within about two or three weeks, I then went into a very, you know, heavy fatigue phase and again, as an athlete and coach, that's mm-hmm. important to go, okay, let's, let's accept that. Mm-hmm. You just had a lifetime peak performance. So let's just accept that you're going to be tired now yeah. and let's not try and push it. And, and so we were able to dial it back and, you know, not, you know, not get into trouble and, uh, um, you know, and, and sort of overdo it and get injured. And not only is that a physical thing, I mean, you know, a lot of people who do uh, the, you know, age groupers, in fact, you know, who do their first Ironman or perhaps their best, um, they, some of them at least describe it as kind of having the uh, the post-Ironman blues, not that dissimilar from, you know, uh, postpartum depression for a woman after delivering a baby. So, you know, there's the physical thing, but there's also that, you know, the, the psychological aspect of that as well. Totally. One of the things uh, that I'd like to talk to you about is, you know, you have been uh, making your life, your bread and butter, like I was saying a little bit easier uh, earlier, rather, um, from triathlon. Um, tell us what are a couple of your favorite things and a couple of your least favorite things about being a, a professional triathlete? Um, yeah, there's obviously it's 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 not a career for everybody <laughs> as a professional athlete, but. Um, you know, I do feel very fortunate to call sport as my career, and um, it's it's a very healthy lifestyle. At times, it's unhealthy. You know, the amount of training we do and the stuff we put our body through. But I think in the long run, doing endurance and aerobic activity is ultimately good for you. And um, so, to be healthy and just active, and be able to spend as much time as I do outdoors, is just it's just phenomenal and I, you know, I, I really enjoy it and I try and remember how fortunate I am not to, not to have to work at a desk every day. I do have <laughs> desk work. I do have, you know, I do my own bookkeeping and, you know, there's always office work. So I do know what it's like to sit at a desk and I definitely uh, have compassion towards those people that uh, have to spend 40 hours at a desk and, um, so that's kind of for me, you know, I, I'm I'm a highly 
I've always been a highly active person as a kid. My parents put me in every sport <laughs> because I just had so much energy. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I need to be moving or else, mm. you know, I, I just, I'm not a happy person. So, mm-hmm. um, so being, being in sport is, is probably a good place for me. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, one, one of the things that I think a lot of people, they, they kind of, they understand sort of the idea of being a professional athlete and, you know, and you know that it takes a lot of training and dedication, and it's hard work, and you know those things are kind of fairly obvious um, if you you know kind of take time to think about it. But what what one you know one thing that a lot of people don't quite understand is really it's 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 a twenty four seven job because as an athlete you're even though you may have a recovery day. There is there is actually no off time because how our bodies perform makes us successful. And so what we do with our body and what affects our body affects our job. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like I, I've, you know, spent many, many years on the road, um, but I've also spent many years missing birthdays and funerals mm-hmm. and births and parties with friends yeah. because I can't stay out late or, you know, I don't drink alcohol while I'm training or, you know, I'm traveling. And so I just can't literally be around for important things in life. And, you know, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of, it, it, it takes a lot of time to do the training, but it also takes a lot of time to take care of your body and make sure it's ready for training and, you know, going to bed early. And, you know, I, it's, that's one thing that, you know, it's not really obvious that that is a sacrifice that you, you give for, for being an athlete and using your body as, as your means of earning a living. Yeah, because uh, being a professional athlete, especially a professional long distance athlete, I mean, when, you know, the lifestyle is as much of, uh, you know, doing the sport as the actual swimming, biking. I mean, it's not the life of a rock star, although some people might uh, blur the two, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's definitely, yeah, like there's definitely great things. You know, the amount of traveling that I've been able to do because of this sport and the, the countries and the places and the people that I've met is just it's just unbelievable and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And, and it's so, it's so unique and so interesting. And, um, so like I said, I, I am so very fortunate and, you know, but with, with everything, there's, there's always sacrifice and, mm-hmm. you know, so for that lifestyle, I have to sacrifice, you know, having, you know, some good times with friends and, you know, going, you know, water skiing in the summer or going snow skiing in the winter and stuff that as a kid I grew up and I spent a lot of time doing and I love doing. But, you know, I can't I can't do it as much or I can't do it at all anymore because I got to, you know, take care of myself and make sure I'm ready for race season. Yeah, I'm sure Lance wouldn't be too impressed if you went skiing at Whistler one weekend and came back with a broken leg or uh, another hip injury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we've we've already gone through that numerous times okay. when I was younger. So mm-hmm. I, I was I have lots of those stories. I I separated my shoulder playing water polo one year. Ooh. I separated my hip going off the ski jump one year. Oh. Uh, oh, what else have I done? Oh, I like smashed up my knee like three weeks before 
uh, duathlon world championships doing a mountain bike stunt show <laughs> for the bike shop that I used to work at. Oh, so, my. So, yeah, as a kid, you make all those mistakes and uh, you hopefully learn. And, and again, your your coach hopefully learns as well. And um, and you you get a partnership where you trust each other and, and I, you know, there's respect there. So when Lance says, no, you can't go skiing, I go, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, fair enough. That's, that's a wise decision. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the things yeah. about uh, being a professional athlete, there's, you know, there's that also, you're almost like uh, a small business person and the product that you're selling is yourself. And that comes in the form of race results that comes in the form of, you know, getting sponsors on board. Um, how are you making a, a go of it now that there's no races to, you know, to, to win and get paychecks from? Yeah, no, it's definitely um, that's yeah, it's that's one of the downsides as an as an athlete is, you know, when you get injured or when there's no racing you're not really able to make a living um you know i've got sponsors that are supporting me through through this and you know we're finding ways to be creative with marketing and exposure and you know social media has really helped with that um i can still kind of market me myself as an athlete market what i've done as an athlete and i can also talk about what what I'm going to do in the future, but I can also then just be be there as you know a motivational or sounding board for people um, during this time, mm-hmm. you know, because you know it's it's a hard time for everybody, and so just connecting with other athletes in our community and you know people I've had a bunch of people just kind of reach out through you know Instagram and mm-hmm. Facebook and just kind of asking what I'm doing and how am I staying motivated yeah. and. You know, I'm just talking to sponsors and just saying, you know, like let's let's do what we can. And I'm not racing, but let's let's kind of connect with our community. And um, you know, and so I'm you know doing these you know online group rides and mm-hmm. chats and stuff like that. And um, I'm going to do uh, probably starting next week or the following. I'm going to do some um, just kind of online live discussions where people can kind of write in and ask questions and how can you know, a so person kind of, uh, let, let's promote that right now so um where are you going to be doing that brent i think probably the easiest way i'm, I'm probably going to do it on facebook live um so that people can basically um and i'll post it on my social media through instagram and uh, twitter as well that they can just kind of go to my facebook page and i will basically be hosting a, a show broadcasting a show um, on Facebook Live, and then people can just type in if they have questions, and they can just listen to my answers, or they can say, "You don't know what you're talking about." Um, <laughs> here, answer this question instead. No, um, you know, so it, it won't be sort of uh, a face-to-face, but uh, there will be an interactive element as well. Yeah, engaging, you know, the people who uh, you know obviously recognize you and are aware of your performances in the sport, and you know, value your opinions on all sorts of things, and of course, want to hear interesting stories, which is you know part of the whole social media and the, the whole podcasting um, you know boom that's been happening. Um, speaking about sponsors, um, tell us about your sponsors. You've got in on board right now um yeah well i've been fortunate to have um a, a group of sponsors that i've been working with for the you know quite quite a long time over the last three four years and um so they're you know kind of still working with me and and working through this tough time and 
um, being patient because um, obviously they wanted to see me out winning races and so do I, but Two Times You has been uh, a long-time sponsor of mine. I've actually gone through a couple of cycles uh, with Two Times You when I was a young ITU athlete. Uh-huh. I was sponsored by Two Times You and then kind of went through years with other companies, but I've now been back with Two Times You now. and um, So it, it's kind of fun. I've actually returned to a number of sponsors. That's the thing. When you've been in an industry for 20-plus years, you, wow. you kind of get – you go for <laughs> – Full circle, you you know, you go, you start with some young new companies, then you get to some bigger companies, then you go to some startups, and um, so I've worked through a number, but um, you know, currently I'm, I'm with two times you for my clothing and and race apparel and wetsuits, and um, they've always made phenomenal gear and compression, so uh, so that's great. And then um, I again was with Easton Composites. Uh, uh, Quite again when I was back racing ITU, but mm-hmm. now that I'm doing Ironman, I re-signed with uh, Easton wheels and cranks and you know power meters and um, yeah, so it's kind of fun to be, again be back with them and see the evolution of the product and um, and then I've uh, been riding for Quintana Roo and Lightspeed for the last uh, three years as well and um, so I've been enjoying those bikes because uh, you know the titanium Lightspeed bikes mm-hmm. are. You know, the gravel bike is kind of one of the, it's one of the nicest bikes I've ever ridden. And it's been the most fun, versatile bike uh, that I've been using for quite a bit this year. So um, that's been great. And then I've got nutrition partner, um, base nutrition. And um, yeah, I'm working with Lance and at uh, Life Sport Coaching. And um, yeah, Oakley, I've been with for, I don't know, over a decade. So, um, so it's been, it's been neat. It's been a neat career to mm-hmm. be with a number of different sponsors, but, uh, but then have some long-term relationships. Now let's just talk bikes for a minute here because I mean, there's been, you know, or, or has there been, I mean, you've been on the fast bikes for, you know, three decades, if not longer as a kid growing up and you've been having access to a lot of the good stuff that, you know, a lot of us mm-hmm. age groupers would like to get our hands on one way or the other. But, um, you know, in your opinion, how, you know, have bikes gotten faster? Um, if so, how? If not, uh, they've changed, but in what sorts of ways? Yeah, there's definitely, you know, guaranteed there, there's been technological advances in bikes making them faster um you you could take the you know same weight bike even from 15 years ago it's it's just it's not going to be as fast aerodynamically um it's not going to shift as well you know i i'm using shimano um di2 electronic right disc brakes now mm-hmm. um you know so you know my shifting is controlled by wires and buttons mm-hmm. um and electronics and my my brakes are the same as that's on cars you know so i can stop on a dime and i can shift in milliseconds so yeah those things are going to have a performance advancement yeah. over the years and then you know obviously the weights of things with carbon fiber all all the weight has come down but then with with losing weight it gives them more opportunity to use material to make it aerodynamic and so the bikes now are just far more aerodynamic than they used to be and same wheels um so really 
the the change and evolution it has been just massive especially in the last kind of 10 years because that's when carbon fiber really sort of came on and yeah and they they have now learned what they can do with it and um i think in the next kind of you know you've seen less advancement or you know gains in aerodynamics in the last few years and mm-hmm. so i don't think you'll see you know you're seeing little bits but they've really pushed the envelope and so now it's just these really small gains and and really now it's it's going to be you know it's just it's just the athlete it's just mm-hmm. our ability to train um you know where there's you know opportunity is through diet and nutrition and how you get your body 24 7 to be Mm. in peak shape and that's nutrition and hydration um it's just generally how you eat not just how you eat during your training yeah it's how you eat after your training and what's what's your meal made of what's your what do you or what are you eating for dinner um you know macronutrients and stuff like that and i'm fortunate that uh my partner carolyn um cooper is a holistic registered nutritionist lucky so, guy um you know, so she she's got me all dialed in with all the best nutrient dense food and what i need to eat for recovery and what do i need to eat for loading for a big long ride and um and i've just learned so much from her about just what our kind of body is as an engine and what it needs for fuel Oh, so let's let's talk some specifics here. So um, we all have favorite foods. We all have favorite, you know, uh, least favorite foods. So um, what's your girlfriend's name again? Carolyn. So what does Carolyn have you eating that you know is healthy for you, but you really don't like the taste of? Well, that that's the beauty is because not not only is she a nutritionist, but she has a passion for cooking. Um, so nothing that she makes does not taste good like oh. it's it's all good it oh, is you... all super healthy and it all tastes so good and, and you know I, i'm also one of those people that i like a lot of things okay there's yeah. not there's not a lot of food that i don't like there's basically liver mm. and uh pork belly I, I, i'm not uh. a huge fan <laughs> yeah those, those <laughs> old-fashioned organ meats hey <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like I like all vegetables. I like raw vegetables. I like cooked, you know, so, so I'm fortunate that, you know, I, I just enjoy it. And, um, you know, so, sometimes she makes the odd shake here and there, mm-hmm. there that I'm like, that tastes like a healthy shake. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, it's healthy. So you, again, you drink it down. And again, as, as a professional athlete, there's a lot of things that we do that are uncomfortable. So eating something that doesn't taste good, well, you know, that's not kind of that difficult to do. You know, doing anaerobic sprints till your <laughs> body fill, fills fills with lactic acid yeah. or you have to ride at max output for, you know, eight hours. I think I'll take eating something that I don't quite favor that much. Uh, you know, I, I'd rather do a, you know, eight hours hard on the trainer without water than, than have to try that stuff they call broccoli, man. That is, uh, that is a tough sell, <laughs> tough sell. But uh, I guess we all have, we all have our limits. And, and for me, yeah. uh, so just, uh, just before we let you go there, because uh, you probably haven't had supper yet, or have you? I have had supper, what, yes. What, tell us what was for supper. 
Uh, well, what we had was we ended up making a um, quesadilla, a bean quesadilla. And um, basically, it, it kind of was like a lasagna. So we just layered uh, corn tortillas and then a layer of, I don't know, there's like 16 beans. And she put some tomatoes and made this sauce and put it all in the pressure cooker. And it all came out delicious. And then we spread that in layers like a lasagna. Mm. So it, corn tortillas and the beans and then <laughs> another corn tortillas and corn chips and cheese and then baked it and yeah so it was deliciousness and um, we mostly eat uh, vegetarian and um, I do eat some fish and some eggs but mm -hmm. uh, yeah we're pretty much vegetarian as well so. uh -huh. clean living clean eating mm -hmm. um, and you're making me hungry <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last question which actually segues very nice into the fact that you're mostly vegetarian it's a question about animals but I don't think uh, I prepped you on this one so it's our traditional uh, fit speak end of interview question so here it is Brent so Brent if you you could be an animal other than a human being what animal would you like to be and tell us why hmm that's a good question um i always i do always and we're fortunate in uh bc on the west coast that we get to see a lot of eagles and you know anytime i see an eagle i do or any bird for that matter, I am envious of their ability to, to fly and, and just kind of go wherever they please. No traffic, <laughs> no rough roads, no, you know, and, and then you do see them, you know, having fun sometimes, yeah. you know, diving down or like, you know, fighting each other. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, an, an eagle is a pretty dominant bird as yeah. well. And, um, and its ability to, you know, catch salmon and mm. its strength and power is, is pretty amazing. So that's kind of one of that's that's definitely an animal that I, I could uh, I could see taking over their body for a while. <laughs> so Brent McMahon would be an eagle. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brent, for uh, joining us on this FitSpeak podcast. Uh, you know, we've been inspired by what you've been able to do for, wow, almost for generations. I know that sounds like uh, a long time and you've been with us, you know as part of the triathlon scene in Canada for decades as an Olympian and of course as a as an Ironman champion so we're wishing you the best of health and uh, it sounds like uh, you're in good hands there with your girlfriend and your coach so uh, we wish you the best of success in whatever the heck this uh, 2020 season becomes well thanks very much thanks for having me and uh, yeah for everybody listening just Stay positive, and we we will all work together to get through this. And I think that's kind of one major thing to take out of this is the ability to work together to support each other and uh, respect each other and give each other space so that we all stay healthy and um, but still try and find things that make you happy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi. I'm Mikey Ross, coach with Abbotsford Triathlon Club, and here's the FitSpeak Top 5 list. I just stumbled upon an article in TrainingPeaks.com 
written by coach Stephen Moody that fits perfectly with what I am dealing with in my own athletic life as well as that of the athletes I coach. The article is entitled, A Step-by-Step Guide to Dealing with Your Emotions and Refocusing After a Race is Cancelled. I highly recommend that you read the article in its entirety, but here I will present the top five steps to take each time you get the news that another race is cancelled. Step one, deal with the emotion. If it's disappointment, grief, or emptiness you feel, recognize it, admit it, accept the feelings are there, but won't last forever. If it's anger you feel, however, think first before reacting. Coach Stephen warns, attacking large corporations about their refund policies will not make you feel better, nor will sounding off online. You're better off ringing a training buddy to blow off a little steam in a way you won't regret later. Step 2. Build a bridge and get over it. Once you've accepted the emotional reaction to cancellation news, it's time to move forward and move on. The author reminds us of the bigger picture in all of this. If you're fortunate enough to have your health and ability to train, you can shift your focus to getting ready to race when the calendar opens up again. Unfortunately, many people will have bigger things to deal with in a time of crisis, like lost jobs and sadly, even lost loved ones. Hopefully, a cancelled race is the worst thing you may have to process. Step 3. Review the cancellation policies. Many races include deferring your entry to 2021, but Coach Moody encourages us to do some careful thinking first. He states, While it may be tempting to just bump your goal back another year, make sure to review your calendar, check out the logistics, and talk to your coach. Grabbing the first alternative before fully reviewing your options may leave you open for regrets later on. Take your time and find the right option for you. Step 4. Plan to get something out of this year. Or as I put it, when COVID-19 gives you lemons, suck them up. Invent some mini-goals to motivate you through 2020, such as ATC's virtual duathlons, or even entering small local races in the fall, which may still be a go if they have a small number of entrants. The author also suggests this. Shift your focus to addressing your weaknesses, like core strength, technical bike handling, or nutrition. Think of this time as a bridge between this moment and restarting your A-race plan. I've already taken action on this advice. No more thinking about the many races that I could have done. Only the races and fun events I will be doing. Step 5, and my personal favorite, reset. To do this, I actually pretended that my computer needed me to shut it down and start again. So once I had dealt with my emotions, I mentally pressed the reset button. Coach Moody nails it with this example of positives hidden inside negatives. It's not often we get the chance to hit the pause button in life. So review, reflect, and then try to tweak things to our advantage. Well, COVID has definitely given us that. In closing, Coach Moody advises us to look forward, not backward, with these final words of wisdom. In summary, a race cancellation is never welcome news, but how we dust ourselves off, apply learning, and refocus will be the real definition of ourselves as triathletes. Stay safe, stay healthy, and above all, stay positive, folks.